Welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by Ram Motor Trends, back-to-back winner of Truck of the Year. I'm Ryan Dixon. I'm a writer for Sportsnet. Joining me on the other line, refreshed and recharged, I'm sure, from his vacation, Sportsnet's NHL editor, Rory Boylan. Rory, what's happening? We're back. Uh, What's happening? Not much. (laughs) Not, Not much is happening right now. I mean, it's so weird, right? Like, we're here at the end of November, and we should be right into the spring. Like, normally, American Thanksgiving weekend is kind of when you look at the standings and, like, okay, who's starting to establish themselves? Who did we have high expectations for that we're now starting to get worried about? And now we're sitting here in 2020, of course, talking about the uncertainty. How is that money going to get split up? And, you know, that January 1 start date is is beginning to fade a little bit, it seems. But it's still optimistic, right, that we're going to have a season um, which is different than what we've seen in the past when it's come to these labor disputes between the two sides. So I guess that's good news, but I think we're all hoping that we would have a little bit more traction towards the start of a new season by now, right? Well, we are going to be optimistic here because we're going to talk about, we're going to borrow a format from some of your other favorite podcasts, dear listener, and talk about which teams we think could actually win the Stanley Cup. We don't really know what the path for sure will be to get there. We're going to discuss that, but we're going to look at the East, look at the West, and talk about um, which teams we really believe could, when the chips are down, win it. But, you know, there I go. I default to the East and West, but maybe we should be saying the Canadian division, the, I don't know, at, at the upper uh, Northeast <laughs> division, all that stuff. Rory, we it, it feels like we're back in March. It's a lot of shoulder shrugging right now. You're right, there is a sense that this is going to happen, but we, we really don't know when the season's going to kick off. We don't know how many games it's going to be. All of a sudden, that uh, goodwill between the league and the Players Association we were all uh, glowing about in the summer seems to have dried up as they try to figure out how to um, split up a pie that has increasingly got very few bites left in it to uh, enjoy. Um, you know, we don't have the answers here today. We're certainly going to We'll be paying attention to the uh, the news breakers here in the next little while and see if we're going to get some certainty. But right now, like I said, it it really does feel like we're back in the early COVID days where you and I were in front of microphones, just kind of looking at each other, going, "Well, who knows?" You know. Yeah, and that ended up going well, right? We did get yeah. hockey again, so you know, at least like you can start to see that uh, the structure of the thing is kind of there. Like we're gonna end up with a Canadian division. It, that's the only way that this is gonna work travel-wise across the borders. You're gonna have three divisions split across American time zones, probably, and those are beginning to take shape. Um, you know, the question of how many games is gonna completely be defined by when this season is gonna start. And it's just coming down to money as it always does. Like how much of the player's salary is going to be deferred, how much more is going to be deferred um, versus how much of that is going to be put into escrow kind of thing. Um, You know, I would think the players would be more amenable to the deferral because you're going to get that money at some point where um, that's not, not, not the case with the escrow so much. But the reality is that the players have their contracts in place and this has to be a 50 50 split in hockey related revenues. I don't see any way that the players don't owe the owner's money back at the end of this season on that split because there's no fans in the stands at least to start. And it's hard to see a path to them going back to full capacity uh, this season at some point. Um, So it's those details. And, And again, it all signs are optimistic that both sides want to figure that out. And it just seems like they needed a bit of a, a 
blow off steam period, I guess, here after the last uh, proposal from the owners was not met very favorably by the players. Just give it a couple of days. Maybe we're not going to get the finalizing of this this week as we had hoped. Maybe it takes an extra week or two, which means the season starts in mid or late January, maybe early February instead. But we will still get a season, 50 games perhaps. But once once those financials are settled, it seems like there's a pretty quick path to a plan for how that's going to work, at least in the regular season. They might keep the door open for what the playoffs look like, and maybe we can touch on that as we start talking about our Stanley Cup contenders. What, what format that's going to be, maybe they'll want to leave that open to uh, some other avenues if they're able to travel a little bit more freely in, in May or June or July. Well, let's dive into it right now then. I mean, we're assuming at this point it will be four divisions, three in the U.S., one in Canada. Uh, is, does that seem like the most likely outcome to you? It, it seems like it, right? Like you're not going to be able to travel efficiently across the border between Canada and the United States. You can't be doing that even in bubbles and have quarantine periods of whatever it's going to be, three days, two weeks, whatever it is. got to keep this thing going. So it, it just seems like to get the most games in and to make this work as smoothly as it can – all the Canadian teams are going to be in a division playing against each other six to eight times this year, depending on what they do, how many games. Um, and then the American teams will be split the same way. There'll be three divisions based kind of on the time zone that you're in as best you can. Um, kind of the, here, Here's how those are kind of shaken out as we've seen. Again, this is all hypothetical at this point. You have kind of a northeast division almost of pittsburgh philadelphia washington new jersey boston and the three new york teams uh then you got to kind of get a central division there with st louis or minnesota that's not clear how that split's going to go along with chicago nashville detroit columbus carolina tampa bay and florida and then a western division of arizona los angeles anaheim san jose vegas colorado dallas and then again either minnesota or st louis so that seems to be where it's going and to me at this point and again they might not announce this right away the most likely way through the playoffs is you're going to have four teams qualify out of each of those divisions and then you have to play through the division which would guarantee one team left standing from each of those divisions in the conference well conference final we shouldn't be thinking in conferences sure. this year in the final semifinal. four yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 start with the U.S. teams. We'll talk about the Canadian teams on the other side here, but we'll start with the American teams and how many of them you really think when things you know when it gets right down to it, you get to the final, a seven-game series, everything you gotta go through. What teams do you think from the U.S. could actually win the cup? Number one for me, again, is Vegas. Um, I mean, you add Alex Petrangelo, and you're already really good last year, right? Um, you know, there are some things to figure out around the cap. I know that they had to give away Nate Schmidt to Vancouver for not a whole heck of a lot, but ultimately you end up with an upgrade on defense. I love Nate Schmidt. I think he's going to do great things in Vancouver, be a good fit, but I mean, we all agree, right, that Alex Petrangelo is is the upgrade there. And then you were able, they were able to come back, and it looks like they're going to be running out Robin Lehner and Marc-Andre Fleury again, which, you know, in a season where the games are probably going to be packed, it's going to be more important than ever now to be able to rely on two goalies. That was already becoming 
more of a reality in the league where you needed to use a backup a little bit more to keep your top guy rested for the stretch in, in the playoffs. But in a compact season, that's going to be even more true. So if Vegas um, gets that, has that upgrade on, on the blue line and is able to return with those two goalies, they, they, again, the depth in that team is its strength, and that's going to shine through again this season. But if we're looking at these divisions, and if, in fact, you have to play through your division to get to the, the Stanley Cup, Vegas is going to be sharing a division with Colorado and Dallas. And those are two other teams, especially Colorado, that would be high on my list of contenders. I think Dallas has a few more issues around it. Colorado is definitely and obviously a team on the rise. Um, that would be that would kind of muddy it a little bit. It's 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 tougher on Vegas. I would argue for all the teams that I'm going to be talking about here that Vegas's path out might be the most difficult of all of these. Um, again, like you're looking at a team like St. Louis is going to be included in there too. I, I'm not going to name them a, a Stanley Cup, you know, top of the line Stanley Cup contender in my view, but they're still a really good really tough team. They lost Petrangelo, but, but filled it in with Tory crew, who's a great defender in, in his own right. So they, they're not as strong, but they're just going to be a tough out, I think. So the path through a couple of rounds in that division would be really, really difficult on the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, it really is a unique wrinkle, these uh, different divisions. And to some degree, I'm tempted to say, you know, we should remove them, remove that filter and, and think about, you know, uh, we don't because we don't know what the path will be. So right. at the end of this, we'll run through just yep. who we've got above the line and below. But you're right; you make a great point that you know Vegas would certainly be on the list. But yeah, they might have a tougher path. Well, let me just put it to you this way: when I looked at uh, the traditional East-West lineup, I was really surprised how few teams in the West I actually had as like yes, I believe they could do it versus you know shuffling them to. Uh, the bubble and, uh, you know, as in on the bubble, not as in in the bubbles that we've all got used to talking to. When it came right down to it, I just wasn't comfortable putting anyone other than Vegas, Colorado, and Dallas on the makes the grade. And even Dallas, I kind of feel like it was out of respect. Like, I know they were banged up, um, but, you know, they made the final. It was one of those finals where, granted, they were playing a really good team. You just you know, you you felt like they had gone as far as they, they could go. So, I mean, St. Louis, absolutely. I've got them as a bubble team, but that loss of Petrangelo, I just, I don't know. I couldn't quite put them in that top tier. So I too have Vegas for all the reasons you mentioned. Same with, with Colorado. What do you think of Dallas? Are they a true upper tier contender or are we going to look back and say, you know, they had a great run um, in the summer of 2020 and, and they're, you know, when you look at the struggles of that top line again, I know Sagan uh, obviously had hip surgery and that's going to impact next season, but the lack of production from the, the big, big, big boys, um, you know, is, is that something that prohibits them from being in the very top tier? I think so. You, you got to figure out your offense. It can't keep going like that. Now they did have stretches, right? Where they found it and they were I mean that Colorado series they 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 seem to find it and they so they're capable of it they just for whatever reasons go on these long stretches and and for the most part lean on their defense and that's the way they want to play and everything and that's all fine that's what makes them difficult to play against um I kind of I wouldn't put them in the upper echelon but I think that opens the door to us underrating them because the same pieces are in place there right like 
they they caught a little bit of magic um, in that Anton Kudobin was outstanding for them when Bishop got hurt and was carrying them through the playoffs. And is that going to happen again? I mean, can he catch, capture lightning in a bottle again? I wouldn't bet on that. I would say it's kind of unlikely, but it's more likely that Ben Bishop is going to be playing in your net, next playoffs anyways. I know he's got injury history and all that, but you'll, the you'll have, you'll have two options next time. You'll have two Ex- good options. Exactly. And, and Bishop is the better option anyway. So you could come back even stronger in net than you were uh, this year. And, you know, I know Joe Pavelski is getting older every year. Is, you, you wonder a little bit more, but he's just a, such a proven playoff competitor and, and a clutch goal scorer again this year that he's just going to be a presence there. And then you still have a young and emerging blue line, which is really, you know, we talk about Sagan and Ben, but that blue line is really kind of the core of this team. It, what's, it's what defines them. John Klingberg, Esselindel, and especially Miro Heiskanen is rapidly on the incline here. And he's going to be probably among the upper echelon of defensemen in the league before long. And, and they're all young and still kind of growing and, and they're going to get better and better. So while I wouldn't put them in the upper echelon, I worry about underrating them a little bit because I'm not doing that. Everything looks good on that team. It's just a matter of, can they find a little bit more offense or do you even really need to in the playoffs? Can you get by doing what they did? Because like the Islanders were a good example of that on the Eastern conference. They didn't score a heck of a lot in the playoffs, but they surprised a lot of people and got really far on defensive play. And that tends to be what happens in the playoffs. So I, I think they're right on that borderline. It, it might depend on matchups uh, for them more than anything. So let's talk about some of those Eastern teams. And I think we'd agree, no matter what happens, no matter how they have to escape from Capel, Tampa Bay is going to come back yeah. as a team that can win the cup as the defending champs. Was it a no-brainer for you to put Pittsburgh and Washington in the category of, yes, they can win it all? No, it was it was not a no-brainer. I struggled to put them in there. And, and again, Me when too. I did this, I was looking at the possible divisions and trying to pick out who. And I was looking at that division, and I was thinking, there's no obvious great team here. If you're t- like Pittsburgh and Washington, are you putting Philadelphia in there? They didn't look great against the Montreal Canadiens in that series, but they have a good young goalie. And you just look at that team on paper, right? It's like, how do they not do more <laughs> with what they have yeah. here? And then you've got Boston sitting there, still got to re-sign Zidane Ocharu, isn't what he used to be, but still a big part of that team. Just signed Jake DeBrus, but same kind of concerns as Dallas. Like, do they have the secondary scoring pop that is going to be able to match with other teams? And then I got wondering, like, I would not put the New York Rangers in that upper echelon, but they're definitely a team on the rise. They definitely were a team that was a bit of a dark horse pick last year. It didn't quite work out. Um, you know, you've, you've got a good young goalie platoon there really, but Shesterkin is, is the go-to guy. And now you've got Alexi Lafreniere, who's going to step in there probably right away this season. So I'm not going to put them in that upper echelon, but they're definitely a dark horse. And I'm just wondering like, like how much of a dark horse are they really? Like, could they absolutely explode this season? You're, you you have offensive punch and you have a good blue line. Let's acknowledge Islanders fans heads are exploding right now because we don't have yeah, them in. I know. <laughs> they went to the I conference know. final, but um, I, I do not have the Islanders in. But there, there is a there's surge potential for sure, especially when you look at a Capocacco coming back for a second year. Um, yeah. You know, Zabanajed was the goals per game leader in the NHL yeah. next year or last year and next year. Rangers fans will take that. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I, I don't Lane. have them in, but it, it, there's, there's a real conversation to be had there about the uh, ceiling. I too struggled with Pittsburgh and Philly, and I took the bold font off at one point on Washington to indicate, no, I can't go higher than bubble. And then I put it back on after looking at the roster one more time. And I do like the Lundquist um, acquisition there. I think that will provide something. And obviously uh, a, a little stability there as, as Holtby goes out. And, and now you're, you know, you're dealing with a, um, a new number one in Samsonov. So I, I, at the end of the day, just fell back on, uh, old habit, I guess, putting the Capitals in and the Penguins until the wheels come off Crosby and Malkin. I just, I, I can't leave them out of the conversation, but man, sure. it re- like when it comes right down to it, Tampa Bay is the only team that you go, uh-huh. Yep. For sure. Because yep. you know, you, you touch on it with Boston. Um, but there's just such a track record with Boston, Washington, Philly, or, um, uh, Pittsburgh, the other Pennsylvania team that I had to put them in and then Philly, you know what? They really probably should be in bubble, but I ended up putting them in. Like, I just, I worked backwards from would I be shocked? Like, would I be absolutely shocked if they won it? And, I mean, especially when we're talking about Washington and Pittsburgh being these teams that are, you know, pretty firmly on the back nine now and and Philadelphia having just, you know, leaning much more on kids, including Carter Hart and goal. There just feels like there's that potential for, uh, an, an energized team to take uh, a step forward rather than kind of lurch back a bit, you know? Yeah. What it comes down to is that none of these teams really excite you. They, you want to pick them or anything like that because they've been there so long and they've shown cracks. They've shown maybe some decline Washington last year, just like they're kind of, you know, man, two, two, two years in a row out in the first round, right? Yeah. But you know, and again, d- does this rest work for them? Does it, does yeah. it favor them a little bit more or, or you know, how is that all going to factor in? But when it comes down to it, while they're not exciting picks, like these are the veteran laden proven teams that just for the most part seem to be able to rise their game uh, when it does matter, but it hasn't just been as, as clean in the last year or two for all of them, but that, one of them is going to do it. Like it's not going to be, I don't see any way that it's like a New Jersey coming out of this or an Islanders. I would be, I I am intrigued by the Rangers, but I would be shocked if it's them. So it's gotta be one of these veteran teams. And it's just a matter of which one is it, which one kind of, catches fire at the right time almost. And, and Carolina and Columbus are the other two teams we at least have to touch on, but I, I feel like they top out at Final Four or maybe sneak into the final, but then play a Vegas team that you just go, these teams are not in the same category. I mean, with Carolina, it really just yeah. comes down to you can't pick those two goalies, right? It just feels like exactly. it just limits where they can go. Columbus, we know, is a playoff-tested team. It, you know, if they can get a little more scoring from, you know, Max pa- or Max Patrick, Max Domi comes in, from yep. Montreal. I know I was talking to a scout who's loving what uh, Emil Benstrom's doing over in Finland, talking about him getting the minutes that used to go to Josh Anderson a couple of years ago. You know, maybe they do like just a few more goals and that team maybe does all of a sudden fit the definition of a, a team that gets just enough in the playoffs, given how gritty they are. But I just can't go there yet. No, I can't go there. I mean, that's why I've not picked Carolina as their goalies for a while. Columbus, yeah, just not quite there. But I will say, again, a little bit of a dark horse here and a team I wouldn't put in this upper echelon, but you could see a path is Nashville. Like it just didn't work for them last year, right? But 
you had down seasons from guys like Victor Arvidsson, who historically are just yep. really, they generate a lot of goals per 60 minutes and it didn't happen last year. You had a decline from Pecorine. Like if, if if they can just kind of repackage that a little bit, if Pecorine can be a little better, you sorrows is, is stronger and really fully usurps that role as the number one. There is a path for Nashville to recover somewhat. Again, not to be a clearly upper echelon team, but definitely as a team that has decent depth, a very, very good blue line, and there's a possibility that they could surprise and kind of come on as a team that is 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 worthy of being considered a contender by the end of a regular season. All right, an all-Canadian division. Seems like it's going to happen, assuming we have a season. On the other side of the break, we're going to come back and talk about which of the seven Canadian teams could actually hoist the 2021 Stanley Cup. Stick around for that on Tape to Tape. Welcome back to Tape to Tape. Okay, Rory, before we move on to the Canadian division, we kind of assume it's going to happen. Let's go over one more time the teams from what would be three uh, U.S.-based divisions. And again, you know, we've done some accounting for how we think things are going to align and the fact that some teams' paths are going to be harder than others. But at the end of the day, just looking at it in a vacuum, when you look at the roster, could that team go all the way? The ones I have as a yes are Colorado, Vegas, Dallas, Tampa, Boston, Pittsburgh, Washington, Philadelphia. Bubbles, Nashville, as you mentioned, um, you know, Rangers, Carolina, Jackets, Islanders, for one reason or another, I just don't see it. I don't feel good about calling St. Louis a bubble team. Do you want to yeah. put them into the big boy group or are you leaving them in bubble? No, my big boy group is much smaller than yours. I feel like I have three tiers here. Where, where like my, my big boys group would be Vegas, Colorado, Tampa Bay, and then Dallas is kind of right on that, but they would be the next tier. And then that next tier is kind of like Dallas. <laughs> uh, and then the teams that are like Pittsburgh, Washington, Boston, these teams, one of them is going to do it. And then I would go the third tier is where the teams like St. Louis and Nashville uh, kind of fit in for me. It, it's, I, I don't have a very clearly defined group of teams I think could win. It's very, very small in my view. Can your tier two teams win it though? Do you think like, are you shocked if, they win it if things go perfectly, like everything okay. kind of has to fall into place and everybody's got to be kind of, you know, health has to be in their favor. They have to catch fire. It's, it's not impossible. I just, I kind of wanted to separate them a little bit. I don't see it as, as smoothly as the, those three teams I mentioned. So we'll flip over to the Canadian division, which I'm guessing will be a much shorter conversation here. Yeah. Uh, now that there aren't some good teams, but I, I mean, this sometimes things just um, just work out perfectly for you. And if you're doing uh, any kind of podcasting or uh, sports talk radio in this country, no more polarizing team than the Toronto Maple Leafs. So when you say they are the one team, I think I would put in the, I could see it category. It's great. It makes heads explode on one end and, and, you know, fist pumping on the other. I know they haven't been through the first round uh, in this new uh, Austin Matthews, uh, Willie Nylander, Mitch Marner era, but it's just from a pure roster talent perspective, 
the fact they still have a very good goalie in Frederick Anderson, who's going to have a good backup to start the year. They have a great defenseman at the top of the charts in, in Morgan Riley. And, and I think, you know, with TJ Brody and um, Jake Muzzin underneath him, you know, they've solidified that a bit. I do think there's a path here. I mean, especially as, you know, if we bring into consideration that whoever wins the Canadian division would probably be in the final four, the way things are shaping up. So now you've got to win two more series. Hey man, I had Calgary listed as a bubble team. I think I actually have Winnipeg a nose ahead of Calgary, maybe just because of the hella buck and the size of those forwards that, you know, don't forget this is a team a couple of years ago that came real close and, you know, Vegas just kind of snuck up on everyone that year. Otherwise, Winnipeg could have been in that 18 final and they'd been building towards something like that. There's still so much to like about that team. I I would almost be tempted to put them in, but I, I just, you know, the defense is still very much a work in progress. Um, I, I, Calgary, I love the Markstrom signing. I, I think that answers a huge question for them. And, and, you know, I like the mix on that team, but... I mean, could I really see Calgary winning four series? Could I see the Jets winning four series? I'm not saying I'm betting a nickel on the lease to win four series, but it does feel like there's some potential for if they break through that one, they could get on a roll. Yeah, they would be my number one team in ranking this Canadian division. I think every team's got some kind of critical weakness to it. And the Leafs aren't perfect, but they don't really have that, I don't think. I don't think it's so bad. Unless you still think it's can't play playoff hockey, right? If if that's and, sure, sure, and that's kind of in the air, right? Like, what does that what does that mean? Well, exactly. How do you define that? Um, whatever it is, um, you know. And then and the the question to me is who is who is number two? Like, I really want it to be Winnipeg, but they they still have major major problems on that blue line. Yeah. Um. After them, like. Calgary is very, very interesting, but again, it's the the depth up front, which is a little bit concerning. There was a bit of a concern in net before, but like you said, like that that seems to be taken care of now. Although my only concern about that is probably more long term, but it's has Markstrom had his best season already because he was great last year for the Canucks, and you, so you wonder about that. Edmonton. I mean, I love them, and I, and I think that blue line is kind of underrated, and they're definitely coming along, but to return the same goaltending duo as last year is yeah. really problem, uh, a big problem for them, I think. Um, in Vancouver, I just don't know about Braden Holpe. I just really don't know about Braden Holpe or if Thatcher Demko is going to be ready to take that on, and I still think they're building towards better future. Like, all these are good teams. That's that's the thing about them. Like, there is something to frown about, but generally, they're good teams. And while we look at this and say, it's going to be awesome to have a seven-team Canadian division, it's going to make for great TV. It's going to be very intriguing. If they play into the division, it's going to be fabulous to have one Canadian team in the final four, at least. But you t- kind of take a step back and you're like, six of these teams, at least, had legitimate playoff hopes in the normal season. And now maybe only four of them are going to be able to make it. You took and the point right out of my mouth. Yeah, for sure. That's six, the these, six teams would have been really disappointed if they didn't make it. Everyone except Ottawa would have gone into this year with real legit hopes of we're yep. in the playoffs. Yep. And and like I find Montreal super intriguing this year. Like they are better now than they were last year. They proved that they could play in the playoffs and be a difficult team to handle. Their their critical weakness before was down the middle and that seems to be stabilizing a little bit although still a little young right so you never really know how how bumpy that road could be 
But behind all that, you have Carey Price, who is now being uh, supported by a very good backup goalie in Jake Allen, which I have to imagine was done to rest Carey Price more in the regular season so that he's refreshed again in the playoffs because that's what we saw last year, how good he could be in the playoffs when he was rested. And so if they're able to do that, I really think Montreal could be a sneaky team. But again, if only four of these teams are going to make it, I mean, who is Montreal beating out for that fourth spot? Like, which team is which teams are Who's sitting out, out here? Yeah. Who's out? So I, I was gonna say, gun to your head, Ottawa's out. Who else is out? Um, it's really tough. And and I will say this: I'm the, I'm here saying I the Leafs are the only team I'm putting in the tier that I could, you know, if I squint and really twist my head, I could see them winning four playoff series. But like, would it shock me if they were on the outside looking in? Well, they were almost on the outside looking in yep. last year, and the rate like, of course not. If would have been if yeah. Vancouver, Calgary, Montreal, and Edmonton found a way to all nose by Toronto, that wouldn't shock me. So nope. yeah, like who are you putting out? I guess I would have to say Montreal, Ottawa, and what? Maybe maybe the Oilers. Do you want to pick against Connor McDavid? You know, That's I don't thing. know. Like my gut is it's Oilers, but. Maybe maybe it's Winnipeg because Hellebuck did so much for them last year, but they yep. were also devastated on the blue line and hit with injuries. They've at least been able to reset a little bit there, yep. but it's tough. You're right. I, I have to say, I didn't think about it until we really got talking about it, that we were going from a world where, yeah, half dozen of these teams really could have made it to, yeah, now there's going to be, I mean, Ottawa isn't, you know, whatever they're signaling to the world. Um, I, I think we know that they're not going in, in into this season with legit uh, playoff, let alone cup hopes. But yeah, those two other teams, um, you hope you have an understanding owner <laughs> who gets yeah. at its exceptional circumstances because if you just look at it as a binary, well, you're in a route. Like the Canadians are a great example where everyone has been saying, well, you know, Mark Bergeron's done a great job, but he can't miss the playoffs again. Well, what about under these circumstances? Like, does that still hold? Up Everything's up in the I, air. I, it can't, that can't hold now one i just disagree with that premise like i think he's done a good job overall Me building too. that team and he's you know he's taken the step back he's built it up the problems that they had in the roster a couple years ago are no longer there he's done a good job and now these are just weird circumstances this year so this cannot this can't be seen as playoff or bust it can be seen though i think it like if you are terrible this year then maybe, right? Like if yeah. you are last yes. place in this division, then then sure it could be on the table. But if you finish sixth and you're a couple points out, I, I don't think that automatically means Bergevin should be out of a job at, at this point. Um, so and, and that goes for any number of GMs out there who are kind of on hot seats, right? Like other teams might have a clearer path now to the playoffs, but these Canadian teams, man, I mean. That, and that's what's going to make this hockey so much more interesting. Every game is going to matter so much because you can see it that yeah. by the end of this, th those standings are going to have to be so, so tight. I'll give you a strange hot take to leave you on. Um, everyone's so excited about, you know, the Canadian teams playing so often and, you know, Battle of Alberta all the time, Montreal, Toronto. I have to say, I, I understand, this is one of these things where I understand it, could never go back to this and i'm not even saying it should but i do kind of miss what it was like when i was growing up when the canadians and leafs played twice a year once in montreal and once in toronto and it kind of felt like the super bowl each time like of course you want them in the same division and it makes geographical sense and you know everyone wants to see these teams in calgary and edmonton and all the canadian teams play in a playoff series but i it felt like such an event where one saturday night 
you know, in October or November, they would play. And then one more Saturday night in February or March, they would play. I do wonder if, you know, it's kind of like you like ice cream. You sure do. Do you want to eat it every day? Well, you know what? You might get a stomachache at some point, you know? Yeah. And it it does, this kind of does, you know, recently where the schedule was, you played a lot in your division. I think you played your divisional rivals eight times a year and that lasted for a couple of years. And we all got pretty tired of that after a couple of years. But this is a one-off, right? It is. So if, if we all know that this is a one-time thing, what would you rather have? A, a mid-season Wednesday night game, Toronto and Montreal for the fifth time that year, or a mid-season Wednesday night game, Toronto and Columbus? Or right. maybe that's a bad example. Toronto and Nash, whatever, Arizona. You know, I, I think, and again, with that division being so tight, like, that's going to add to the intrigue. It's a one-off. Let's enjoy it. I think we're just going to be, <laughs> I think we're just going to be happy to have hockey back at Absolutely. some point. Right. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. no, no, no complaining uh, about that this year. No complaining, giving thanks. In fact, Th- happy Thanksgiving to our American friends, as you mentioned, Rory, uh, south of the border, the big weekend for them. Happy holidays to everyone. I mean, the Christmas music is going uh, already in my house. So yeah. uh, I'll be floating on candy canes and uh, little Baileys until we do uh, hopefully get hockey shortly <laughs> after Christmas. We will see. Um, you know, we don't know when, when TTT will be back again, you know, in keeping with the greater theme, lots of uncertainty here. So um, good to see you, pal. I don't know when I'll see you yeah. again, but I hope it's not too far down the road. We'll try and do this again soon. Hopefully we've got some news. We can yeah. do some preview content and then we're kind of back to some level of normal and then we'll see what's next, right? All right. Uh, absolutely. Well, everyone stay tuned and stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.